When we talk about spiritual gifts, there is a very important principle that we as a church and any church needs to take hold of. That we are each specifically gifted and equipped individually to do a particular thing that God has called us to do which may take all sorts of shapes and sizes and so forth, but God has placed a gift into us that his spirit indwells within us and uses that gift to shine into the world. And at the same time, we are all required to serve in all areas of the church. So let me just break this down so it makes a little bit more sense. There are those who are gifted and called to be evangelists. Anyone they talk to seems to be interested in spiritual matters, even if you may have been speaking to them for years about them and they seem disconnected from it. So there are people that are gifted with the gift of evangelism and yet at the same time we are all responsible for telling people about the difference Jesus has made to us but some people are specifically gifted to. There are some who are specifically gifted and called to lead in the church. And they should be in positions of leadership. However, we are all responsible for having positive influence and leading others in that way. Does that make sense so far? you with me so far? I'll give you another one. There are those who are called to be hospitable. I call them hospitalitizers. They're the people that just say, come into my life and our church and my home and they are just gifted at making people feel at home and going, this is incredible. I'm not one of those people. I have a lot of envy for those people. They're amazing. But at the same time, each of us, myself included, we are called to be hospitable to people, to be friendly and welcoming. But some people are particularly gifted to do it. There are some people that are gifted and called to teach, to preach and to teach and when you sit under their teaching you feel a sense that God's spirit is conveying something to you and at the same time we are each responsible for discipling others and helping teach other people about Jesus and the faith. Does that make sense? You get that? There's a blanket responsibility that sits on every Christian And then there are deeper and more profound expressions that God particularly entrusts to each of us that are kind of different from everybody else for us to understand and sit in that space and be used by God in remarkable ways. These things are called spiritual gifts and it's the way that the Holy Spirit extends the Holy Spirit's reach into the world through these gifts, through using us. Now, hopefully, when you've come in the last number of weeks, you've picked up a survey. It's a spiritual gift survey. I say it like it's in my hand. It's not, but they're on that desk just out there. So, if you haven't got one, after the service, take one, start to look through it, think about it. It's a bunch of questions. You mark your strength on that. So, if it's hospitality for me, it would be like, oh, a one. You probably can't go zero. I'm not sure the rating scale. If it was leadership, I'd feel more comfortable in marking myself up on that. So, you just engage with this, follow the, the test through and you will find that these, this series up till Easter will be far more beneficial for you if you do it in conjunction with that. Because the things we'll talk about will find gravity and traction in your life as you start to at the same time understand who you are, 
what God has put into your life and how God's put you together. Now, have we any Lord of the Rings or Hobbit fans amongst us? Lord of the Rings or Hobbit fans? A few of you? Lovely. Me too. Guilty. J.R.R. Tolkien was a British author and he wrote that series. He wrote The Hobbit, which was followed by Lord of the Rings, and he was a devout Christian who wanted to convey in his work the biblical struggle between good and evil. And if you read those books, you see it quite clearly and starkly and immediately. Now, Tolkien also humbly believed that his gift to write, or his ability to write, was a spiritual gift given to him by God to convey the things of God in his writing. So, he wrote about that. He talks about where the Hobbit first came from. So, if you're fans, you might find this enlightening. I found it very interesting. So, he writes this. He says, I was doing the dull work of correcting exam papers. He was a professor. And when I came to a blank page, someone turned in. He says, I think people do it to stir us up as professors. He says, I turned it over and I wrote on the back of it, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And then he says, that sentence would become the first line of the book, The Hobbit. But I'd never seen or heard of or thought about a hobbit before that moment. Later on, he would say, I have long ceased to invent my stories. I wait until I see what is going to happen or I find that it writes itself. And then later in a personal note, as he was reflecting on all of this to a friend, he said, the other power, God, then then took over me. The writer of the story, by which I do not mean myself, that one ever-present person who is never absent. So Tolkien believed that God literally wrote the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series through him as an author and he waited until that moment when he felt he could convey something of the Spirit rather than doing what many authors do and construct and work on a story. It's fascinating. Right? He's describing what it looks like for God to gift someone and then expand and extend God's presence and spirit through that person to offer something of God to the world. And if you've read those books, you, you can sense that God is offering this picture of redemption through Tolkien's writing to the world. Spiritual gifts are a channel through which God can move more powerfully in us and through us, enabling us to engage in a spiritual war, a war that does rage between good and evil, of which we sit in the midst of, are affected by, and also are invited into. Now, if you're a regular here, if you come here most weeks, and if you've been paying attention today, you will have been wondering where a certain aspect of the service has gone. And that is, I won't, no, I won't ask you, because I might have missed something else. I won't ask you to comment. I'll just tell you. Um, why haven't we prayed for people today? We pray for people every week. What, where's, where's that gone? Well, glad you ask. 
When we pray for each other and we pray for people in our lives, in the community, in different situations around the world, um, that's called intercession. It's when we intercede for others. We pray on behalf of others. Prayer is one of the most significant impacts we can have in this spiritual war that takes place. Praying for our friends who don't know Jesus, praying that the sick are healed, praying that the lonely are brought into relationship, brought into our lives, brought into our friendship. So today we're going to talk about this area. We're going to talk about intercession and the gift of intercession and then at an opportune moment that will present itself we will intercede and you will then have your answer to why that piece of paper and pen has been given to you. But not just yet. Not just yet. So, Paul said this to the Church of Rome. He wrote to Romans and in chapter 8, as we just heard from Hazel, verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that's the name we use to kind of capture the third person, which sounds like they came third person of the Trinity, but equally first, but person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know sometimes what we ought to pray for. Have you ever had that experience? What do I pray for? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I recall sitting by the bedside of a young mum. I'm not sure how old she was. She had a couple of kids and she'd been diagnosed with cancer and I'd been called into the palliative care arm of the hospital. And we know that the palliative care arm of a hospital is where people go when it looks like their life's to come to an end. And I'm sitting here with this young mum and she's been sharing a little bit. It wasn't the first time I'd met her. She'd been sharing a little bit about her family, her two little kids. There was no family around, no wider family around. wasn't much support network. And I'd been talking to her about Jesus. I'd been sharing with her how much God loves her. And it came to this point when the weight of the situation left me with, what do you pray? In that situation, what on earth do you pray for? And I remember sitting at the bedside, just my my soul, my heart feeling so heavy with this burden that it was like my soul was groaning. And I'm sure you can relate to that experience where, where our soul just groans because there are not the words that we want to pin on it. That's what Paul talks about. He says, when the Spirit of God who lives within us, the, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf through the groans. And I, and I talk with people and they go, I don't know what to pray. I can't pray. It's too difficult. It's hurting too much. It's too heavy. I go, it feels like a groan. Yeah. That's the Spirit of God praying for you, interceding for you and within you. Through our suffering, God is present. He's praying on our behalf. The gift of intercession is where someone who is gifted with the ability to adopt that position for other people. So the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf and someone with the gift of intercession says, that's the the position I am willing to, I am keen to adopt for others. I feel the groan of others and I want to offer up prayer for them. 
So if you're gifted to intercede, and I imagine there's a number of us here, I say us, I am not gifted with this gift, but I'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But I imagine there are a number of you here that are gifted in this space. It's when you, you hear of a need, when your soul groans to say, I have to intercede, something has to happen. It's when you come across a situation and you're convinced that before anything happens, prayer needs to take place. It's when you hear of a friend or a family member or someone dear to you or someone you've heard of about a dire situation and your instinct, your response is we need to pray. If, if that's you, that it's likely there is a gift of intercession either at work or dawning in your life. For some of you, you'll be like, oh, of course, that's me, you didn't need to tell me that. But for some of you, you may be gifted and just not quite realise it or stepped into it yet. That's what the gift of intercession looks like. Intercession is simply upholding others, praying for others before God. And it's often accompanied with a deep sense and deep hunger of God's presence. I have, we have intercessors at Village and I love them, but they always say, we need to get into God's presence more. We do, right? I absolutely agree with it. But they are so, they will lead us, their intercessors, you will lead us into God's presence. I wonder if, I wonder if you would, does anyone feel like they might have the stirrings of that gift? Well, just stick up your hand, nobody else has to look, but just stick up your hand if you think, oh, maybe that's me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Last week at Village, we commissioned three people. We commissioned Karen and Fiona and Claire into the Ministry of Intercession. They, over a number of uh, months, have felt that God was calling them to pray for others, but in a way that was kind of effectively formal. So we commissioned them last week. And we created this prayer space where every week we're going to invite people, if you need prayer for any reason, go to that place, like in, our, in the space downstairs, there's a, there's a space set aside. Um, I wonder those of you who are feeling a stirring toward that, whether we might do the same, whether we might create space on a Sunday where if you need prayer you can go with people who are gifted and called and excited to pray with you. So if, if that idea has stirred something in you, please come and chat to me afterwards. Maybe this is something that God wants to do in our midst because I am absolutely convinced that God has gifted people with the gift of intercession to intercede and if we as a church can make that as effective as possible, everybody wins. We win, they win, it's a wonderful time. One of the premises of the Christian faith is, as I've said before, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and dwells within those who trust and believe in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, he came, lived and died for our sins. And one of the roles of the Spirit is to speak from within us to God, conveying to God the things that we know and feel and struggle with. And then for some, he calls them into ministry to do the same for others. Because every aspect of ministry... Every spiritual gift and its use is the extension of God's character and nature and love. And we read before in Romans that God's character and nature and love is to intercede for us, is to pray for us. 
Let me give you an illustration of how this happens. Next Saturday evening, I am going to the Queen concert. Queen. I was devastated when I was maybe 15 and Freddie Mercury lost his life. Um, And now Queen have finally come within the vicinity of where I am and I am going. Now, this week, I was asleep. It was about 2am and I, in my dream, that was, I don't usually dream really clearly, and I'm not sure I remember any of my dreams, but in this dream, I had been given a VIP backstage pass to Queen. And so in my dream, while I'm asleep in my dream, I was there at the concert. Like, I get to go twice, right? So I'm there, and it was amazing, backstage with, with everyone, and at Metricon stage, and it was incredible. And in the middle of this, this voice that wasn't part of my dream spoke into the dream. And the voice said, Daddy, can you come and tuck me in bed? (laughs) It's never good when you wake up angry, is it? It's it's just, you're just doomed for a bad day when you wake up upset. And, And Hamish was just tapping on my leg. He appeared at the Queen concert and the Queen concert vanished. And then I was awake for the rest of the night, right? It was just, oh... The worst. Now, here's, here's how this relates. If you were asked Hamish, who's three, who's the most powerful person in this house? It is likely that he'd say his mother. Um, I kind of hope at times he might say me, but it wouldn't be him because he's just a little boy, he's just a kid and, and, and there's a lot of other things going on. At 2am, the other night, when I was having my dream, queen dream, Who was the most powerful person in the house? Not me. Definitely not Lyndall who slept through it. Hamish. Because when we created him and invited him into our lives, we shared power with him. Power to love and have a free will and live his life. And absolutely we have a bunch of confines around that to nurture him and protect him and move him forward. But at 2am, when he chooses to exert his power, there is no power comparable to that. Think about it this way. When God creates us, he shares his power with us. It's called free will. He shares his power with us and then he invites us to use that power to do the things he loves, to do with him the things he loves. Now, sometimes we do that really well, and other times we might not do that really well. But this understand, this, this analogy has helped me understand that prayer is less formulaic. I say the right things at the right time, I quote the right scripture with the right theology and I get the result. I'm more convinced that prayer is this dance that God invites us into that says this is mysterious and sometimes you'll be like, wow! And other times you're like, I don't understand but it's this presence we get to experience and dance with God in the midst of. That's what this gift of intercession leads us into. Somebody who is using the gift of intercession, they, that's where their life is lived and experienced. A friend of mine says that intercession is, the, is joining the Holy Spirit and Jesus in talking to the Father on behalf of others, which may be people, churches, Cities, nations or states. 
When I sensed the call into ministry, the first person, people I went to were intercessors. I went to two intercessors in our church and I said, I'm not giving you any clues. Can you ask God what I should do with the rest of my life? <laughs> and they did and that's why I'm here. When, when I was sick, I had in, in my past a long, long time ago, and I'll talk about this at other times I'm sure, but I had 18 months where I was practically in bed with a whole bunch of health issues. It was not good at all. And every day an intercessor from the church came and sat with me and prayed for me. It's amazing. When we were trying to have Zari, six, seven years ago now, oh, actually a long time before that, eight, ten years ago, we sought out the ministry of intercessors to intercede on our behalf because they are gifted for the edification of the body. They are gifted for the common good. This church has intercessors who will pray for you who are already before they were ever asked to. They've been praying for you, they've been praying for me. And many of you are who I'm talking about. You've been uplifting those who are hurting and struggling. You've just been doing it day in, day out because you can't imagine living a Christian life without doing it. That is the gift of intercession. Part of the ministry of the elders is to intercede. Part of my ministry is to intercede and pray for you. And so what we want to do now You get to use your piece of paper and your pen. Here's what we want to do. Um, Because often the best way to empower those with the gift of intercession is with our prayer requests. What those prayer requests are. So what I would like you to do is just spend a few moments and we're going to pause now for a few moments and I want you on that piece of paper and if you haven't got one, just wave your hand and Bev's going to run around and make sure you do have one. So if you need a piece of paper and a pen, you don't have it, just wave and Bev will be onto that. Two questions. Who would you like to pray for? And what's one sentence that would help guide someone's prayer about them? We don't need last names. You don't need to write a, a book about it. Uh, just their name and an area uh, that, that's sitting on you. So we, we've prayed every week for people that have had cancer. So you might say their name and cancer. You might, there might be someone you know that's just grieving and you're like, I just want God to be close to them. So their name and they've, they've lost someone. You might know someone who you've been reaching out to who's really lonely or someone who doesn't know Christ or someone who's in financial difficulty or their grandkids are just running off the rails and they're stricken with worry. It, doesn't, it might be you. Write your name. It's not going to be linked back or anything like that. But what we're going to do is you write your name, write the prayer thing. Once you've done that, and you can write a couple. Good luck fitting on that tiny, tiny piece of paper I gave you. Sorry, just trying to conserve um, resources. Um, And then we're going to pass it along the lines and the person at the end of each line is just going to bring them up and we as a church and our intercessors and our elders and myself, we will pray for you this week. So, let's engage in this now. All right. I realise there might be some of you that that are still going and others of you that go, I just need some more time. So please, before you leave today, make sure we have... I'm going to pray for these now, but then also we're going to um, enable those who are called to pray to uplift you guys and those who are important to you. Lord, we come before you with these prayer requests and they represent the most intimate part of our lives, our, our greatest needs and desires, our hopes and our dreams. And we just want to bring before you We thank you so much that you listen to us, that you care, 
that you welcome our prayers and that you are already interceding for us. And so Lord, we ask as we endeavour to learn to lean into you more in prayer that you would respond to these needs. You would bring people who are far from you into intimate relationship. You would heal the sick. You would bring sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. You would make those who are poor rich in you. Those who are lost to the church, you would help them reconnect and reunite with this body. Those who are in pain, Lord, you would come close to them and bring healing. And those who are grieving, those who have lost someone they deeply love, Lord, be so close to them that they know you, they feel you, they experience your presence. And we pray these things in your almighty name and everybody agreed and said, Amen. It feels fitting to put them on the altar, but at the same time I realise I may forget them later on. So, somebody remind me afterwards in case I don't remember. Paul also said to the church in Rome, in Romans 8.34, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is what I love about Christianity. That Jesus Christ is really the only entity in all of creation who has the right to condemn us for our evil and our sin and our brokenness, our rebellion, our betrayal. God is the only one who has a right to hold that against us. And God with so much eagerness says, no, no, no. To, to satisfy the requirements of my holiness, I will give my own life and instead, I want to intercede for you. I want to pray for you that you are reunited to God the Father, that you experience the love of God. It's astonishing. It's just astonishing. And, and just leaves me, every time I think of it, which is at least two or three times a week, overcome with this idea that God would love us so much, I wish I had that much love for others. But, but if I'm honest about it, when I think, can I adopt the same position that God adopted for me, for those who have hurt me, or betrayed me, or rejected me, or backstabbed me, or gossiped me, or could... Would I have the strength and capacity to forgive the same way God forgives? And I, I know I would fall miserably short. Miserably short. But thankfully, God is not like us. We are like God, but God is not like us. And God's response is to not only forgive us, but to lay down everything for us to say all the wrong you have done and the brokenness and the sin, the harm you have caused me, I just I push it aside because I am strong enough and I am large enough and great enough and graceful enough to absorb that. And then, this is the crazy part, then he says back to us, because my spirit now lives in you, you can do that. What you couldn't do without me, to forgive and to care and to love for people who have treated you terribly, because of my spirit, you now can. And that's 
how my life will work out through your life. And that's captured in this next gift that I just want to spend a couple of minutes grabbing. It's, it's kind of partner in crime to intercession. It's the gift of discernment. Now here's how I look at it. I forgot to do this, but I was going to bring up our church phone and put it here. Now our church phone sits in the office downstairs. It is attached to the world's worst answering machine. Like it is, the, the phone's fine, but you can't hear the message. And we're going through a bit of a spate, which is a little bit entertaining, I find, of people leaving messages and saying, call me back, but no number. And I've tried, I've tried guessing, but when you have to guess nine individual digits in the right sequence, it's a disaster, right? So, anyway, that's what's happening. But here's, here's why I, I would like it here, because I'd say intercession is about picking up the phone and dialing God. God, these are the needs that I see and hear. Discernment is when God calls us and we pick up the phone to receive from God what he wants to say to others. Does that make sense? So when you've got intercession is to God, discernment is what God says to us for others. Now I'm not an intercessor, uh, although I take very very seriously the importance of praying for people and interceding for people but that is not my gift so it's my calling it's what I'm required to do as a follower of Jesus but it's not my gift but I have experienced the gift of discernment I think of one time um, we'd gone to Dalesford in Victoria and Dalesford is a lot like Byron Bay just not without, without the beach so, or maybe Nimbin maybe we'll go Nimbin so you kind of get the feel, right? And, and when we're there, there's lots of these shops that have tarot cards and crystals and all wacky stuff and a whole variety of things in them. And I remember walking into a shop in Dalesford and, and getting arrested, like not arrested because of a shoplifting, arrested because I felt God had said, no, 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 don't go in. It was quite, it was one of the few times I felt a really powerful stopped my, my, the hairs on my arms and my neck sprung up and I went, I, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And so I left. So I'd taken a couple of steps in, I turned around and I left and as soon as I stepped out of the door, I was back to normal. And so I did kind of what I normally do. I went, I'm going to go back in and see what happens. And that's true. So I went back in and the same thing happened. I'm like, oh, I've got to get out. And I got out and it went. Now, what do you do with that? Well, that's when you intercede. Right? You've discerned something of a spiritual nature that's conflicting the nature of God in you and our response is to intercede. That's how those two things partner together. And so I did. So I prayed for the shop, I prayed for the owner and of course you're, you're praying in a sense blindly by the direction of the Spirit. But that's where we're moved, uh, that's the ministry that we're moved into. Then one time I'm at a church camp. It was a I, I used to um, lead camps for kids all over Victoria who were from country ministries. A lot of country ministries. You've got one or two young people here and one or two young people. And so they, um, I used to work with ESA and we brought all these kids together. And I'm at the kid, at the dinner table one camp with these three kids sitting around me, and we're just having dinner. We're just chatting, and and out of nowhere I had a really really strong um, indication or feel or idea that the young person sitting across from me felt horrendously sad. 
And I, I was looking at her thinking, this is just strange because she looks fine. Seems happy enough. But this, there was this sense here, we were on a Christian camp, so it was kind of comfortable too. So I said, um, I, I said her name, I said, do you... Are you, are you feeling sad by any chance? Because God has just said, and she's just, as you're crying. And I'm like, oh, no. And so, she waited until she calmed down and we talked about what was bringing her sadness and then I could pray for her into that. And so, this is going on over dinner with these two other guys there. Who know, they, they knew each other really well. And so, we kind of got to the point and she was feeling quite good by this stage. God had done some work she managed to vent some of the stuff she needed to. She was feeling in a good place. And one of the young guys goes, oh, that was amazing. Do me next. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And no kidding, no kidding. I said, it doesn't work like that. And the moment I'd said that, it happened. I was like, no. I said, okay, but I know it doesn't work like that, but maybe God is saying to you that you have no purpose, that you're just struggling because you just feel lost. He starts crying. This gift is hard work, right? And, and so God was able to minister. I'm joking about the crying thing. There's not an issue with that. But God is able to minister to people as he unlocks them. And this gift of discernment is a way for God to do that, to speak into these situations that otherwise we would just be blind to and not understand. Intercession is calling God on behalf of people. Discernment is calling people on behalf of God. Philippians 1.9 says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is, the best, what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Discernment is born out of love for other people. Discernment is about upholding others to be blameless and pure. It's a gift that God imparts to help others see the life and action and work and love and guidance and movement of God that they may have been missing. So, let me help you with this. There's times when you get a hunch about something, right? We all get it. That may or may not be the gift of discernment. So, this is really important. If it is the gift of discernment, the person who is to receive whatever that is will be the greatest beneficiary. So, they will be, they will be benefited. Not you for saying it or for getting it off your chest, but they will be benefited from it. Second question. So, will they be benefited? Second question. Am I wanting to share this out of love for another? Because if I'm wanting to share something, to challenge something that I don't agree with, that's not love. If I'm wanting to share this because I think they're out of line and somebody needs to call them back into line, that is not love. So, am I sharing it out of love for this person? And the third question, so is it their best interest at heart? Am I sharing it out of love? And will this lead to others growing in rightness with God? If I share it, will the outcome, as much as I can guess, help this person become more right with God in a better place with God? If the answer to any of those questions is no, it's just a hunch. And we all know if you share the hunch, it turns into gossip. 
Right? So you just keep the hunch to yourself and sit on it until God stirs your spirit around to these things or God takes it away from you. Now I hope by now you've realised we're, however many weeks into this adventure that we're in, that when I preach it requires something of you. It requires you to think or to do or to pray and, and hopefully, my hope is that you never quite get enough on a Sunday. You're not meant to get... A sermon is never meant to be the be-all and end-all. It's meant to prick your curiosity to the point of going, oh, maybe I need to sit down with God about this. Maybe I need to dig into the scriptures. Maybe I need to go and speak with someone as a result of this. As we're doing this series, the constant question we're going to be barraged by is, what has God gifted me to do? And then... How does God want me to use it? What does that look like in my life? That is a conversation that no sermon is ever adequately going to nail for you. The Holy Spirit has the answers and I would implore you this week just to press into God. And for some of you that might be like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I know how to do it. There are people here that know how to do it. We can teach you. We can show you. The whole thing that happens outside of this has this crazy term called discipleship. We are called to be disciples who do discipleship, who press into the presence of God, who learn from what God is wanting to say and then step out in obedience. That's why God has called us here to refuel us, to heal us, to strengthen us and say, okay, go get them. Go get them. And so this week I just want to, my challenge, I want to implore you to have some chair time with God. That's what I call it, chair time with God. Where's that chair? Might be at the kitchen table, might be lying in bed, might be on the bus, might be at your local coffee shop, might be on a park bench, might not be a chair at all, it might be a walk or somewhere you go. Where is that space that you do most of your talking and your meeting with God? When you're there this week, I want you to start asking God, okay, I'm starting to understand how you're gifting me. What does that look like to be used? How do I need to use these gifts that you've given me? Maybe intercession, maybe discernment, maybe leadership, maybe apostleship. How do you, or maybe all the other things we're going to talk about. And if, if you're thinking, I don't, I don't have a chair time, I'd encourage you into one. Explore this week. Where is it that you're going to meet with God? What appointment are you going to set like we do with other things and other people? What appointment are you going to set that when that rolls around, all right God, let's talk about this stuff. Because the, the, the health and thriving and well-being that will bring to your life is unsurpassable. Because we know, I heard an amazing story this morning of, of when, our, when our bodies fail, the, what we have to hold on to is Jesus. And so we want to be as familiar as we can with Christ. We want Christ to hold us now, not just in those moments when we really struggle. So I've said enough. I want God to say the rest to you this week. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are just so keen and eager to speak with us. That you you long to hear our prayers for ourselves and our situation. You long to hear our prayers for others and you know that no prayer is insignificant or too silly or even too selfish to pray. And God, in response, 
you enable us to discern the work of your spirit in this world. So Lord, those you have called and gifted in this particular way, I pray you clarify this for them. You empower them and you send them into ministry. And Lord, for those of us not gifted in these things, may you call us to have a softer heart for others, to uplift them still in prayer, to enjoy this mysterious dance that you invite us into. And may we see your kingdom come now and forever. Amen.